This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It is Monday. We are back in 2024 for... Is it the final stretch? Is it the home stretch? It's the final stretch, I think, because the board date is April 4th. So we are like exactly almost four months out. April 4th. It's a good date. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lucky date for all of you. Um, (laughs) It's going to be a lucky date. Now, if you're, listen, like my friends used to say, if you're doing all these things and you're listening to this podcast, not that we are the the difference maker, but if you're doing all these things and you're so diligent about your studying, I'm convinced you'll get there. you'll, You'll be okay. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people feel like at this point they're like, God, I couldn't take the test now, but you're not taking the test now. You got you got plenty of time. What's to interesting to me was what's interesting there. to me is that as you advance through your studies, you're increasing the level of sophistication of the details you're trying to memorize, and you lose sight of all the things you actually know. So it's funny that when you get then to the test and they say a baby with RDS, what is the it best next step in treating this baby and the answer is surfactant you're like well i know well i know that and it's like yeah you do uh, <laughs> Obviously. and exactly and i'm saying because you're you're learning more and more and you're trying to now really hone down on these final details uh you can sometimes forget that you know all these things about neonatology that you're going to get the questions right so um i think it's important for people to know yeah. that if you've studied normally for this test you're going to get to the exam you're going to know 70 percent of the questions like right off the bat 70 percent you're going to get right there you just now have to uh, perfect your craft so that you can get the last whatever 15 20 percent that will get you the passing score um okay so we're doing infectious disease today and we're doing question 51 and uh as it is customary Daphna, go ahead Uh uh-huh uh, no problem. Okay, question fifty-one. This is a hard one. Okay, we start. We're starting off with a with a with a biggie. You are worried that a neonate in the NICU with frequent infections may have an immune deficiency. Specifically, you are considering a disorder of B lymphocytes. All of the following is true about B lymphocytes, except a preterm infants have significantly lower B lymphocyte numbers compared to term infants. B the interaction of B lymphocytes with the antigen leads to production of specific antibodies. C, the number of B lymphocytes peaks at three to four months of age. D, they mature within the bone marrow. E, X-linked agammaglobulinemia is caused by mutations in the Bruton tyrosine kinase that leads to a block in B lymphocyte development. You are looking for all the following is true except... Um. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a tough one. I have to mm-hmm. say, I, mm-hmm. it looks like I'm gonna fall flat on my face for the first question of the year. Um, I didn't know this answer either. I, I gotta I gotta admit. Um, all right, let me just be. Let me, I'm gonna yep. go through the answer choices. Preterm infants have significantly lower B lymphocyte numbers compared to term infants. Um, 
Well, you know, that sounds kind of true. It could sound very true, right? Because of, of B lymphocytes, bone marrow. So maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. um, maybe that could potentially be true. I don't know. The interaction of B lymphocytes with antigen leads to the production of specific antibodies. That's immunology 101. I remember that. That is, that is true. The number of B lymphocytes, the number of B lymphocytes peaks at three to four months of age. Hmm. I don't know about that. D, they mature within the bone marrow. That is true. So that's okay. So B and D are, are good, good, good answers. I'm going to, I'm going to stack them and then. E X-linked A gamma globulinemia is caused by mutation in the Bruton tyrosine kinase that leads to a block in the B lymphocyte. Uh, that I remember to be true. Um, so okay. So the question is, I have to decide between A and C. Uh, do they peak at three to four months of age? I don't remember. Peak at three to four months. That sounds kind of early. I'm gonna I'm gonna say C. I'm gonna say all right. Let's see. I don't know. It's either A or C. I'm gonna pick C, but I'm not confident about this answer. Well, listen, I think at this stage in the game, if you narrow it down to two choices, that's pretty good. And the correct wrong answer was A. So you you almost had it, buddy. See? All right. It um, happens. So it is <laughs> So it is false. A. Preterm infants have significantly lower B lymphocyte numbers compared to term infants. So let me read you the rest here. B lymphocytes are cells that recognize and bind to specific antigens via cell surface immunoglobulin receptors. See, you knew that. The B cell interaction with antigen ultimately leads to production of specific antibodies. These antibodies provide protection by recognizing a broad and ever-changing array of foreign antigens and microbial pathogens. Now, in human fetuses, and they like to ask these questions about where do things develop, the pre-B cells, pre-B cells can be identified in the liver as early as seven weeks and in the bone marrow by 12 weeks. And by 30 weeks, there are no detectable pre-B cells in the fetal liver, and the bone marrow is the exclusive site for B cell maturation. At birth, the proportion of B cells is similar to that of adults but the absolute number of B cells is actually significantly higher. The number of B cells peaks at three to four months of age and declines to adult levels by six to seven years of age. Preterm infants have B cell numbers that are comparable to those in term infants. Perturbations in B cell development or maturation leads to well-characterized immunodeficiency states, X-linked A-gammaglobulinemia, X-linked hyper-IgM syndrome, and common variable immunodeficiency. All have abnormalities in B-cell development or maturation. X-linked agammaglobulinemia is a profound immunodeficiency disease accompanied by near absence of all the immunoglobulins. Um, Mutations in the Bruton tyrosine kinase lead to a block in B-cell development of pre-B cells to the immature B-cell stage. And this B-cell development arrest prevents B-cells from differentiating and producing antibodies. I think everybody okay. knows this, right? That um, the the mnemonic for Bruton is Bruton starts with a B, like the B cell um, mm-hmm. uh, block in the development. I don't feel like I'm adding a lot of value here, but I'm sure everybody remembers that. I like that. I like that yeah. one. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Question 52, Daphna. A well-appearing male neonate is brought to the NICU for a sepsis evaluation because of risk factors for sepsis. The lab results show that the infant has neutropenia. You worry about his infection risk. 
compared with neutrophils from adults, neutrophils from term neonates are what? You have five choices. The first one, A, they adhere poorly to the endothelium. Choice B, they have a decreased degranulation response. Choice C, they have a higher chemotactic response. Choice D, they have a decreased ability to phagocytose, so decreased phagocytosis. Choice E, they have equal migration. Okay, I am remembering this, actually, because neutrophils have a very specific way that they mitigate pathogens. But I kind of remember that in the in the in the neonate that they're like less sticky, like they can't even get out. Now, mm. is that migration or adhering poorly to the endothelium? I don't know. I feel like it's happening very early in the in the in the. System. So I'm going to say they adhere poorly to the endothelium. A. Very good. Very good. Neutrophils ah, are the first yes. line. <laughs> starting, <laughs> starting the year on very different footings here. Uh, all right. So they adhere poorly to the endothelium. Neutrophils are the first line defenders against bacterial and fungal pathogens. In the human fetus, neutrophils development starts at about 10 to 14 weeks of gestation. Functional maturation of neutrophils continues through the rest of mm-hmm. gestation. Circulating neutrophils leave the intravascular compartment to enter the tissues in three major steps. You should know these steps, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I think this is very high yield. The first step is called margination and rolling mm-hmm. on vascular endothelium. So they basically are dragged along the vascular endothelium. In the second step, they attach to the endothelial cells. And in the third step, there's transendothelial migration. So in the case of an infection, there should be markers of infections showing up on these on the vascular endothelium as the margination, which means that the cells are now rolling on the sides of the vascular endothelium, it should, it should interact with these markers and should tell the cell, hey, you're needed in here. The cell attaches to these endothelial cell and then sort of uh, snugs its way into, uh, into the area that, uh, that is infected. So compared with neutrophils from adults, neutrophils from both term and preterm neonates adhere poorly to the endothelium. Once outside the blood vessels, Neutrophils migrate along concentration gradients of various chemoattractants. Neutrophils from both term and preterm neonates have impaired chemotactic response, which means that they don't go exactly where they're supposed to go. They're not really responding to these chemo, these, these chemical cues that the body is sending uh, very well. Phagocytosis is a specific form of endocytosis directed at engulfing solid particles into an internal phagosomes. We all know that neutrophils from preterm neonates have a developmental defect in phagocytosis that corrects by the late third trimester or term gestation to become comparable to adult neutrophils. 
neutrophil granules are involved in killing and neutrophils from terminates have granule content and degranulation responses similar to those from adults. Good job. Well, I didn't actually get the order right, but got the question right, but I didn't get the order right. It's all right. Okay, buddy. Uh, I have another toughie for you. And these, yeah, I think so. Infectious disease and immunology, question 53. A neonate has just been diagnosed with a Neisseria infection. You are worried about complement deficiency. All of the following is true about the complement system, except A, C2 is the most common complement deficiency. B, C4 is part of the alternative pathway. C, deficiency of late components results in an increased risk of Neisseria infection. D, most neonates reach adult complement levels at three to six months of age. Or E, the classical pathway requires antigen-antibody reaction. That's a tough one. Are you upset at me or something? Yeah, um, no, these are, this is as tough. Okay, I'm this is, I, I mean, um, <laughs> That's fine. All of the following are true except which one? Except. So C2 is the most complement deficiency. Um, I don't remember. C4 is part of the alternative pathway. Hmm. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. Deficiency of late components results in an increased risk of a Neisseria infection. Most neonates reach adult level of complements by three to six months of age. The classical pathway requires antigen body reaction. Yeah, that I that I remember from medical school. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I know, no, it's not the um, most neonates reach adult level by three to six months. I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna say yes to that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Deficiency of late components results in an increased risk of Neisseria infection. Uh, well, it's interesting because they do mention that you're worried about an Neisseria infection in that. Uh, I am not exactly sure. I'm going to say C. C. Deficiency of late components results in an increased risk of an Neisseria infection. Okay. The correct answer, the correct wrong answer was B, that C4 is part of the alternative pathway. So we'll review it. Okay. The complement system plays an important role as one of the principal components of the natural immune system. Its major function is to facilitate the neutralization of foreign substances, either in the circulation or on mucous membranes. Now, this is accomplished by a series of plasma proteins that are involved in specific and nonspecific host defense mechanisms. The classic pathway of complement activation requires the presence of specific antibodies that are found against a particular antigen, leading to formation of these immune complexes. Now, the order of, com- of, co- of component activation in the classical pathway is not numbered the way you would hope it would be. It's C1, C4, C2, and C3. And the classical and alternative pathways converge at C3. And while the classical complement pathway requires antigen-antibody reaction, the alternative pathway may be antibody independent. That makes sense. The classical thing is you get an antigen-antibody response. The alternative pathway, again, may be antibody independent. Deficiency of these early components, C1 through C4, leads to increased risk of infections, especially pneumococcal infections and collagen vascular disease. 
And you're right, C2 is the most common deficiency. But deficiency of the late components, C4 through C, C5 through C9, leads to an increased risk of Neisseria infections. It's like the uh, brachial plexus injury. So C1 to C4, pneumococcal. C5 to C9, uh, Neisseria infections. Okay? Okay. All right, yeah, buddy. I'm, I'm reviewing images on Google right now about the, the complement pathway. Yeah. That's quite it's quite embarrassing that I that I got two wrong in one episode. God damn it. I'll come back stronger, people. Um, okay. Well. <laughs> These are tough. These are tough. Yep. All right, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.